Thank you for listening to this message from Waynesboro Free Methodist Church. Our mission is to multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. We hope this message helps you along your journey. Good morning. Um, my name is Abby Gibson, and I'm going to be reading our passage for today. Um, it's John 1, 4 through 9, and this is from the Christian Standard Bible. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Abby. All right, get your Bibles out. Am I on? Yep. John chapter 1 is where I want you. John chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, there's one underneath your seat or the seat next to you. Uh, or it's, under, uh, it's in the seat back right in front of you. John chapter one is where I want you. Uh, one of the things that we're gonna start doing in this series is we're gonna have different people coming up and reading the passage for the day. So fear not, but you may be called on, okay, to come up and read. Uh, so get your Bibles and turn to John chapter one if you're not there already. Uh, guys, back in uh, October of 2018, there was an article that went pretty viral on social media and it had the heading uh, that kind of was a good clickbait heading and it said this, it said, authorities find 123 missing children in just one day during a Michigan sex trafficking operation. You guys remember that story? Like it went, it went, it was huge. It was a big deal, right? And, and you know, the, some of the article talks about how the U.S. Marshal Service was asked to assist in a one-day sting operation to locate all 301 missing children reported in Wayne County, Michigan, which is uh, where Detroit's located as well. And out of those 301, they found 123. My goodness. One of the cool things about this article is the way that it ended, though. And I wanted to share that with you. Because it ended with a quote from the Marshall Service, uh, which it says, this is what the guy said. The message to the missing children and their families that we wish to convey is that we will never stop looking for you. You know, I, like that's, that kind of gives you chill bumps, right? When you think about the context and, and whatnot. But you know, that sort of promise is only as good as the one who's making it, Right? Think about it. And <laughs> this is the federal marshals. Right? <laughs> it's kind of a big deal, is it not? Like imagine if the federal marshals were saying, hey, we're going to come find you. Like, oh, oh God, it's going to happen, right? Um, one of the most famous cin- cinematic threats that's ever been made in all of history, at least that I would agree, uh, is this one. I'm going to quote it for you. And as I say it, you're probably going to be like, oh, it's that guy. This is, what, this is just one of them. What I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that will be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. Right, right, right. So hold on. Don't, don't know. You know who that is. 
Picture that coming out of an eight-year-old girl with pigtails and an Elsa t-shirt holding a jump rope with a pink book bag on. What does that do to you? You, you laugh, oh, that's cute, <laughs> right? Now picture it coming out of Liam Neeson's mouth. Or I would say even better yet, Chuck Norris. He just keeps getting like more and more like, okay, well, daughter, go back, right? Like, so that's from the movie Taken, right? But, but the point is this, any kind of promise or any kind of threat to evil is only as good or strong as the one who's making it. Right? Like, like, and, and one of the things that we're going to see in the next few verses that Abby's already read for us is that Jesus is this unstoppable threat to the forces of darkness. And he, he didn't just say words, he went into it. And so we're going to be looking at verses four through nine today. We're going to start off in verses four through five, and then we'll touch in on, on verses six through nine. But what I want you to do, I don't know if you have this practice yet or not, but in your Bibles, go ahead and circle some words. If you like to write in your Bibles, I would encourage you. Circle the words life, light, and darkness. And in those, four, or those two verses, verses four and five, you should circle each twice. Because listen, it says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. You hear it? Life, life, light, light, darkness, darkness. So circle all of those, because those are going to be the key themes for our understanding of this passage today. Now, let's go back and just think through last week, verses one through three, we really found out that Jesus is this uncreated, creating word, right? Like he is the word of God, representing God to mankind, speaking to mankind on behalf of God. He is God's word to the world, creating a new beginning. And we found out last week that we're all deep down in our very essence, made by JC for JC. You've got it written on your DNA. But after John sets it up this way, he starts talking about more of who Jesus really is, more of who this word guy really is. And he's inviting us into enjoying him. And look at verse four. He says, in the word, in him was life. There's your first circle, right? Like, all life is in Jesus, right? We, we, we agree with that. Now, now, remember where we are in the book of John, right? We're in a section called the prologue. And, and sometimes what the prologue does is it introduces key themes that are going to be carried throughout the whole book. So it makes sense that he's doing this here because what happens is John's saying, in him was life. And we see that life, that Jesus as the life is repeated 35 different times throughout this whole gospel. It is a key theme about how John is describing Jesus. He is the life. Now, when you hear that, you may think, oh, well, yeah, he's, he's a kind of life. Jesus presented a way of life, which is what everyone outside of Jesus might agree with. They say, well, I could follow this guy because he presented me a way of life, or I could follow this person over here because they presented me another way of life. Other people did it throughout history. Sure, Jesus presented a way of life, but that's not what John's getting at at all. No, actually, John is setting up here that Jesus is life itself. 
And he sets it up in, in two ways, one of which has already been established. We saw in verse three, what? That all life came through who? Who? Jesus. It wasn't a, it's okay to give the Sunday school answer every now and then, people. Come on. It's all right. All life comes through Jesus. And so first, physical material life itself comes through Jesus. Everything that has been created came into existence through the person of Jesus. Nothing did so apart from him. But there's also a second understanding of what it means that, that, that in him was life. In this word, in Jesus is life. And that's the resurrection life. So we have our physical material being, but we also have resurrection life. You remember how uh, last week we looked at um, in the beginning was the word, how in the beginning is God saying that Jesus is sent to create a new beginning for the world because the world was broken, it was fallen, it needed redemption, it needed renewal. And so in him was, is life. In him is this resurrection life. So, so Jesus teaches to us, he demonstrates for us, he empowers within us a different kind of life that's set apart from the rest of the world. A life that's marked by the same resurrection power that rose him from the grave. Which, which really means that we're being restored back to the life that God said was very good. The life that we were made to live in his presence, the life that we were made to live with his purpose in mind. It's ultimate purpose, it's ultimate true satisfaction. It's flourishing in humanity found in this life. Meaning this is what we were made for. So guys, there's, there's a huge difference with what we mean when we say that Jesus presented a way of life and Jesus is leading us to the life. Jesus is leading us to the resurrection life, a huge difference. And, and I know, I, I actually mentioned this yesterday at, at Paul's memorial service, by the way, an incredible time. Uh, thank you for praying for the time. It was uh, uh, just really anointed by the Lord. Um, but, and, I, and I've mentioned it several times before, but guys, there, there, were, there was a season of my life where I was, I was in a Christian environment and could speak the lingo, uh, but I, I, I didn't actually really think Jesus was for my joy. Uh, I came to believe Jesus and to receive everything Jesus is at some point, but before that, I used to think Christianity was just one of those ways of life that really wanted to just rob me of everything that the world had to offer me, that, that wanted to take away every sense of pleasure and joy and satisfaction that the world seemed to be offering to me, that the world could potentially provide for me, and all the way that Jesus wanted me to do was just to be a do-gooder, a boring do-gooder, a bunch of rules that guided my life, totally obligated, but no, I wanted everything the world had to offer. But 17 years ago, God opened my eyes to the reality that Jesus is actually showing me the way to life. Showing me the way to this resurrection life. He wasn't just teaching another form of religion. Jesus was God himself shouting to me, Scott, you're just really being a moron here. Come this way. There's, like, if you want to find what you're looking for, it's, it's here in Jesus. Just come this way. It's in me. Come. If you want to find what actually satisfies your soul, come this way. This is resurrection life. So all the do's and don'ts, all the thou shalt and thou shalt not are not God robbing us of life. It's actually him saying, hey, hey, yeah, you'll find it here. 
Come find flourishing in humanity and in mankind here in the way I've designed things. Jesus is inviting us into resurrection life because he is the life. And, and, and surrendering our lives to his authority is never meant to be a heavy yoke of religions, of do's and don'ts. It's, it's actually finally finding out that Jesus was what we were made for in the first place. And it's in him that we're actually gonna flourish in life. And it's available to us right now. And that's why John himself goes on to say, look at verse four. He says this in verse four. In the word, in him was life and the life was the light of men. So, so yeah, Jesus is the life, but John also sets it up that Jesus is the light of humanity. Guys, we, we talked a lot about light in the last few months, right? We, we talked about it back in Christmas, how light it has a nature of revealing things. A few weeks ago, we talked about how uh, it's a, it's a radiance, like light itself produces, uh, uh, re- reveals things, but it also creates heat. We can feel it. But, but light in, in its primary function actually uh, creates an environment for life to flourish, right? In many religions and, 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 and throughout history and even, even in science today, uh, life is regarded as the source of life and energy. Light is, is where we get life from, really. If you think about it, imagine if we had no sun. Uh, you couldn't imagine because we'd all be dead, right? We, we wouldn't have temperature to, to regulate us, uh, to, to keep us warm. We'd be off in the frozen unknown. We wouldn't be able to see each other either. Wouldn't really be fun at all. There would be no life. Gardeners, how, how many of you love to, to garden? Right, just show of hands. Have you already started your product yet? Have you started, no. So some people do their starter plants in their basement, right? So, uh, some people have grow lights, but imagine not having grow lights where you just tried to create, or just you did your little seed planters and you put them in a dark, damp, cold basement and you just left them there. What would happen? Nothing, nothing would happen. There would be no life sprouting out of that, but as soon as you take that and you put it into that seed, into the light, what happens? It starts to flourish, it starts to grow. Starts to experience life as it was designed to in the right environment. You see, life can only thrive in the light. And that's why Jesus here is depicted as both. (laughs) He is the life and he is the light. So in other words, if we're ever going to experience the resurrection life that, that God has made available to us in Christ, this abundant, this flourishing resurrection life, it has to be lived in the light of Jesus. It's where, he's gotta be where we go to spend time basking in his radiance. He, he Jesus, has to be where we go to enjoy his presence. And, and as we do, we're gonna find ourselves just naturally bearing fruit in our lives and we multiply um, what, are, what are some of the telltale signs that somebody's spent too much time in the sun? What do you see on them? Sunburn. They turn like a lobster, right? Lobster backs, right? Or, 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 they, or uh, if, you're, if you're like some of those people who actually don't burn, but they do what? They tan. 
people, I know, I know people who, who can go away on a vacation to a sunny place and they come back and they're a totally different ethnicity. <laughs> now, I'm jealous of that, but not enough to form my identity in that. But anyways, but, but I'm not talking about spending time in the sun so you can get some good suntan lines and, and maybe get a, a good burn here or there. When you and I go and sit in the radiance of Christ, when we spend time in the light of the sun, S-O-N, and we behold his glory, we, we, we behold him, goodness, you know what happens? Like, generosity just starts getting more outrageous out of you. Right? Kindness gets more radical. Compassion and the capacity to forgive things that are potentially unforgivable just seems to abound naturally out of us. Endurance and suffering just gets more incomprehensible. It, it confounds the world if we sit in the light of the sun. You know what's crazy about this light, this light here in this verse, is that it's not just some stationary object up in the sky that we have to move ourselves into in order to re-in its light. No, did you notice what this light does? This light goes into places. This light moves. This light comes chasing after us in the darkest places. Look at what he says, verse five. That light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. It goes into the darkness. Now, let me first clarify something here. John, the apostle, the, the evangelist here, the author, is not painting a worldview of dualism. I wanna make sure we understand what, what I mean by that. Dualism is the belief that good and evil are constantly battling one another, and, and it's just this endless cycle, and one day one will triumph over the other. It's like light versus dark. It's like uh, Star Wars, right? <laughs> it's this equally matched duel for some people. But guys, that's not how the Bible paints the forces of good versus the forces of evil. That's, that's not how scripture paints light versus darkness. Not only that, but I mean, you can look out in, in our own world, in the natural creation have you ever seen darkness give a right hook back to light as it tried to advance? Have you ever seen darkness stand its ground when light tried to come into a space? No, no, we, we don't see that anywhere in the world. Light always overcomes. Darkness never battles back. What does it do? It retreats, it flees, it is cowardly. It cannot stand against light that comes in. Darkness always flees when light shines. And so the Bible depicts darkness as evil and wrong and, and things that are broken because of the, 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 the fallen nature of creation that was, that was fractured in the sin of mankind. But goodness, goodness, darkness never seems to be able to stand against light. It always is overcome. That's what Jesus says here. Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome him. Now, did you notice that there's a shift in the, in the tense? Go back and look at that. 
From verses one through four, look at what he says. In the beginning was, past tense, the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning, he was in the beginning with God. And then we get to this right here, verse four. In him was life, and the life was the, was the light of men. But then we get to verse five, and what happens? He suddenly shifts to a present continuing tense, which would read like, the light shines on still even now and the darkness has not overcome it. You wanna know why he did that? Well, I'm just guessing. Because John is writing after the resurrection. John is writing this after Jesus has already risen from the dead. He already knows how the story ends. He knows the light still shines on today, that darkness could not overcome the light, meaning it couldn't, it couldn't not only like overtake it and conquer it, but not only that, it couldn't comprehend it. It couldn't even grasp it with its mind. Guys, this light is an unstoppable reality. Wherever the light wants to go, it goes. Whatever it wants to do, it does. Nothing gets in the way. So come sin, come hell, come Satan, come death. Jesus can't be stopped. As he took on organized religion, he took on secularization, and he continues to shine his light on even now in the darkness. And nothing can overcome him. Nothing can stop him. Satan tried with his schemes. Death made its attempt to hold him down, to overcome the light, but Jesus still shines on. Jesus cannot be overcome. Which, which makes him this unstoppable threat to darkness. Guys, I, one of my more recent worship songs I've really enjoyed is a song called Tremble, and it says this. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Your name is light that the shadows can't deny. Your name cannot be overcome. You know, you know what then this does in us? You know what this does for people who follow Jesus? It makes us fearless. It makes us a fearless people. I'm serious, right? Because Jesus' beating heart makes us fearless people. In the face of darkness, guys, the dude, he descended down into the depths of the dark death and he came back with death's sting in his hand and said, ah, you don't get that anymore. Not for my people. Jesus is this unstoppable light. And he goes where he pleases. And if we're going to follow him, goodness, we're fearless. Because nothing can overcome him. You, you remember when Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Like what, what can stand truly in the end? What can stand against Jesus who is the life and light and his people who call him Lord of their life? What, what can stand against? Now I'm not saying that life's gonna be perfect and that every, like every uh, financial weapon formed against you won't prosper. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking like in the scope of your eternity. In the scope of your relationship with Christ, in the scope of your effectiveness for the kingdom of God here in a broken world, nothing can stand against. We are fearless because the light tried. 
or the darkness tried to overcome the light, but it couldn't. Now what, what John does next, uh, I, I, on first reading, might seem a bit interruptive. Look at what he does next. He, 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 this triumphant, hey, the, the, the darkness didn't overcome the light. And then verse six, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. It's like, wait a minute, hold on. John stops talking about Jesus and starts talking about John. Let me read it again. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. So pause there. Guys, one of the things that, um, this is not John the apostle, the author of this book, talking about himself. Uh, there's, there's good evidence to suggest that he's actually bringing up uh, John the Baptist. Sometimes you'll hear me call him Johnny B, okay, just in short. John the baptizer, right, Johnny B. We're talking about Johnny B here. And we're gonna find out a whole lot about Johnny B in the next few chapters of this book. We're gonna find out about him uh, uh, so many things, but what we find out here is already astounding and it sets this guy apart as somebody who's not yet been seen in creation. It's incredible. Sets him apart as someone really significant. Look at verse six. John the Baptist was literally sent by God. The word sent is a concept that you're gonna see multiple times throughout the book, uh, through, uh, the book of John. God sent, meaning that he commissioned him for a specific task, sending him to a new location. And, and he sent him for a specific purpose that he would do what? That he would bear witness, that he would give testimony about the light. To what end? What does verse seven say? He came as a witness to testify about the light so that what? Read it. All might believe through him. Guys, we're gonna see Johnny B, John the baptizer, lead tons of people to Jesus. We're gonna see him have a following where people leave him to go follow Jesus and he praises the Lord in response. We're also gonna see Johnny B give up his life on account of preaching Jesus. As ultimately you and I can believe in Jesus because John the baptizer preached the gospel. I mean, this guy is a big deal. But the author, John, wants to make sure that we don't make him too big of a deal. Look at what he says, verse eight. He says, this Johnny B, this John the baptizer, he was not the light. He only came to bear witness. He only came to give testimony about the light. So it's possible that there was a group in that day who were, who were following John the baptizer and refused to follow Jesus. Uh, there, there's possibility that they were making out Johnny B to be more than he really was. But if Jesus is the light and Johnny B is not, at best, John the baptizer is just a smudgy broken mirror. Just a smudgy broken mirror. Now this, this doesn't work perfectly, but just follow me, just work with me here. A mirror, a mirror has the capacity to reflect what? Image. It has the capacity to also reflect light. In fact, if it didn't reflect the light that was on your face, you couldn't see you, right? So a mirror has the ability to reflect light, but is itself the light? No, it is not itself the light. 
Did you know that uh, scientists have discovered that mirrors don't reflect the full spectrum of light? They just don't. Our sun gives us a massive spectrum of light and, our, our, and any kind of mirror can only reflect just a, a little bit of it. It can't reflect the full spectrum of light. So going back to those gardeners, right? Going back to growing some plants. If you were to try to grow plants with just reflected night, light and no direct light, your plants would be stunted in their growth. There, there would be no flourishing truly there. And yet you and I have been taught well and have it in our nature to want to spend the most time just sitting in reflected light from mirrors and not actually in the radiant light of Christ. So here's, here's what I mean by that and here's how it works out usually. And, and, and I say this because I, I love you and I, I want to point you to Jesus, Okay. Uh, you and I tend to love to tune into some of our favorite celebrity pastors and preachers and evangelists, right? We love, we love tuning into them. They, 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 maybe they're entertaining, maybe they're funny, maybe, maybe they're deep and they're intellectual. Maybe they've really, really had an impact on your life, which praise the Lord for. For whatever reason, you tune into them, right? Now, I, I I do it too. For me, I, I really enjoy Matt Chandler's sermons. You heard a sermon from him that I shared with you uh, back in January. And, and I tuned into in him pretty often because he, he preaches uh, the word of God as it, the authoritative word of God. He preaches the gospel as the best news. He, he can, and I can, I can sit nonstop, tune into his podcast and, and hear him preach. But if I were to spend all my time pursuing after God, by only looking at the broken, smudgy mirror that is Matt Chandler, I would never find actual true growth. I will never grow fully because I'm not in the direct, radiant sunlight of the sun. My growth will only be stunted. But this, this can look other ways too. I'm not just talking about your favorite pastors or preachers. I'm, I mean, even, even when you have your own devotional time and, and you don't actually go into God's word on your own, you just, you just go to the devotional. You use your daily bread or you use that Jesus calling book, which by the way, isn't actually Jesus calling. It's Sarah Young calling, the author, okay? Just let's be real. You go to these devotionals and you're looking at broken, smudgy mirrors that's at best what they are. They can't reflect to you the full radiance of Christ. It's impossible. Not until we're all fully made new. It's just not the light. We might get glimpses of the light. There might be some help there. So I'm not saying just neglect them altogether. There's some really good things there, but, but really if they only draw you deeper into their image and they don't say, no, 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 I'm only reflecting, you need to go, you need to go sit in this radiant light of Christ, then, then throw them away. They're not, they're not what you need. you need. You need Jesus. He is sufficient enough for you. And his word, he's got a spirit that is able to fill you and explain to you his word as you read it. A broken, smudgy mirror which is what all of us really are, won't ever fully reflect the light of Jesus, including me. So our relationship with Christ ought to be a direct one, 
We, ever, we never want to go a roundabout way or depend on someone else to be our relationship with Christ. It's us and Jesus. He's welcomed us into the holy of holies. He tore the veil and he said, come. So if, if all our pursuit of God amounts to be listening and tuning into other people's sermons and, and tuning into other people's devotionals and listening to other people's music, if that's all your spiritual life amounts to be, then, then I don't know why you're confused about not having a lot of really outrageous joy and contentment and satisfaction in life. Why, 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 I don't know why you're confused about that. It's because you're, you're not in the radiant light of Christ. You're depending on other people to be that for you. God invited you up the mountain. And the Israelites said, oh, we don't want to go up. Moses, you go up. You handle this. He's like, okay. We can all come. He's made it available for all of us to find the way to the light. This is why John, the author, is saying John the Baptist wasn't the true light. He's not the real light. He only came to testify about it. And testify we will. But goodness, we're going to go to Christ himself. So let's, let's commit to one another that, that, that yes, we're gonna, we're gonna egg one another on and edify one another in our relationship with Christ and I pray that you do see the light of Christ reflected in me but I beg you that you not rely on me to be your relationship with Jesus or anyone else. So go stand in the light of the sun. He's, he's ready to radiate his joy over you and his love for you. Just go sit. That's why, that's why John the author, he continues in verse nine. Look at what he says. The true light, in contrast to, to John the baptizer, this true light, the word, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. If you, again, like to write in your Bible, circle the words true light. He's the true light. The word true, in this context, it means real and ultimate. It means he's the real light and he's the most excellent light, the superior light. Jesus is the only real light in a world full of imitation lights, full of stars, And he's the ultimate light, the most excellent in a world full of broken and shattered mirrors. He's the brightest. He's the purest. I couldn't help but think of that hymn. Uh, Fairest Lord Jesus. I'm gonna sing it. I don't care if you join. Fair is the sunshine. Fair is still the moonlight. And all the twinkling starry host. What does it say? Jesus shines brighter. Jesus shines purer than all the angels heaven can boast. 
As this is what Jesus is saying. Remember, we're, we're studying the nature of Jesus because we have the propensity, the capacity to carry distorted images of Jesus. That, 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 that we might get some things wrong about him. And, and so Jesus here is just coming in and he's shouting to us, my goodness, I am the life and light. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. I am the life and light. So if you'd bow your heads and close your eyes for a minute. The only way that Jesus can be a threat to you is if you stay in the darkness and would like the darkness over the light. But when you and I realize how broken and unuseful the darkness really is, then Jesus isn't a threat, he's an invitation. As some of you, some of you have been hiding in isolation from God. Maybe, maybe you think it's just really awkward for you to be real with, with him and with people about the state of your own heart. Some of you might even go so far as to find yourself so repulsive that you can't stand to let anyone else know who you are. And so you've, you've found it easier to kind of keep yourself, your struggles and your pain and brokenness in those dark places, in the shadows. So you close the shades relationally from God or from others and you block out the light in some areas just to try to preserve an image of yourself. I hate to break it to you, but no matter how hard you try, we already know that you're a broken mirror. We already know that, that you're not perfect. You know why? Because the gospel already outed all of us as sinners in need of redemption. We're all in the same boat. We know each of us have areas of brokenness that are shrouded in darkness and it'd just be absolutely foolish for us to think otherwise. And you know what's so amazing about this, the way this landed for me personally is that it's the areas where I try to keep things in the dark the most is where Jesus is eager to shine his light. Brother, sister, that's exactly where Jesus wants to shine his light to bring life into you. Some of you might see Jesus as a threat, and, and rightly so in some cases, but really, he's this tender light who gives life. God sent Jesus after you to make you to be more than you could ever imagine yourself to be. So if anything, first, today, just come into the light and you're gonna find Jesus to be more than just a way to life. You'll find him to be the abundant life. Now on the same hand, there's still some of us in here who have been depending on, on other people to be our relationship with Jesus. And if that pricked you, if that convicted you, then, then today's the day to just lay that down. Yes, we've been encouraged by saints along the way, but, but my hope is that, and my prayer is that you would be welcomed into the presence of God, that you would feel his love shining on you. 
That you would stop depending on broken mirrors to show you the way or to be your relationship with Christ. Maybe that's what you need to confess today. Either way, we have been invited as the people of God to experience life in the light as children of the light. We hope this message helps you multiply faithful followers of Jesus Christ. For more information about our church, please visit waynesboroughfm.com.